Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup, oh, blocked by James! Lillard, he got the shot off! Lillard, down! Down! And like that, you know, like NBA basketball. Welcome back to Coast to Coast, a basketball podcast. I'm Ian Fain, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah Weber. So in today's episode, we're going to give a recap of the 2020 NBA Finals, and we're going to give our opinions on the future for the Miami Heat as well as the Los Angeles Lakers. We're also going to give our biggest surprises and disappointments from the series. So Ian, take it away. So first off, I want to say congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um for becoming the NBA Finals champions of 2020. And uh, another congrats to LeBron James on winning the Finals MVP. It's well-deserving. Um, but on fir- at first, I'm going to talk about Game 5, um, where the Miami Heat won 111-108 to against the Lakers. And this game was just solely B- Jimmy Butler's leadership. Um, he went out there and absolutely balled with he had 35 points with 12 rebounds and then 11 assists and he led the team in every single statistic um he didn't miss a free throw he came in clutch down the stretch and just overall his playmaking his hustle on defense and we saw I mean we've seen that meme with him leaning over uh the like sign in the back of the uh, basketball goal. And, I mean, he was just exhausted, but at the same time, I mean, he went out there and absolutely balled. Obviously, LeBron had 40 points, but Jimmy Butler kind of slowed him down when it when he needed to. And defensively, the Heat were there, especially in the clutch performances. So, yeah, that was, in my opinion, Game 5 was the game of the series by far. Mm -hmm. Um, Just that play down the stretch by both teams, it was back and forth. And if the Lakers, if Danny Green could have put that ball maybe six more inches, I feel like the Lakers would have won that game, obviously. But And then Markeith Morris threw it out of bounds. But what a great game. I mean, watching Jimmy Butler in that game, he played like a top-10 player in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, his leadership, like I said earlier, was just something that uh, a lot of the teams that he's played for in the past kind of took for granted. Like, we saw him with his fallout with the Timberwolves taking the third strings and just all those bench players and going and beating all the starters. Um, I mean, that's just his fierce competitiveness, and that's something that he is he takes his pride in, is, you know, going out there and trying to kill everyone out on the court. And... I, I mean, I'm with you that this was definitely the game of the series and honestly it might be game of the season as well. I mean, this gave hope to the Miami fans, gave hope to the Miami Heat. Um, obviously, we saw what happened in game six, but game five was just an outstanding performance for both teams. But the Heat kind of pulled that one away. For sure, yeah. I might call this game of the season too. I mean, obviously <coughs> the biggest stage, the Heat were on brink of elimination and they came out and they beat the Lakers straight up. They were both going at it head-to-head in the final minutes, and the Heat outplayed the Lakers in those final minutes. I mean, they made that comeback, and then they ended up winning by three. So what a game by the Miami Heat. Clutch performances from Robinson, Hero, and Jimmy Butler, obviously, and it was just something to watch. And although I'm a Lakers fan, I I support the Lakers, I support LeBron, it it was fun to see them make this series six games because – if it was five, I feel like they, everyone would be talking about how it was just kind of a cakewalk of a series for Braun, even though some people are still saying that. I think that game six made things interesting, and the Lakers proved that they were the better team in game six. And it definitely just showed what competitiveness all of the Heat players have. I mean, we saw Tyler Hero, he come out, he would come out with that swag, kind of go out there in the clutch moments and not back down from anything. And then we see Duncan Robinson hidden threes all game I mean he went seven for 13 in game five uh from three and then we also we see someone we were kind of dogging him on him early in the series but Kendrick Nunn had 14 points with a positive three plus minus I mean can't complain with 14 points off the bench um especially whenever the other person who came off the bench was Andre Iguodala with zero points um but overall he I mean all of the starters Hero, Robinson, Crowder, Butler, and Adebayo all played 
above 30 minutes. Kendrick Nunn had 28, and Iguodal had 20. Um, but those are the only players that played. We didn't see Olenek, we didn't see Derek Jones Jr., and we didn't see Myers Leonard. But, I mean, we we saw just a complete utter dominance between Butler and Robinson in Game 5. So, yeah, go, keep to keep going on Game 5, I'm going to switch over to the Lakers just – what a game from LeBron. I mean, he was automatic from three, it seemed like. He went six of nine from distance. His range was from the parking lot. And, I mean, although he went four of six from the free throw line, I mean, he obviously made it up from downtown. I mean, he shot the same percentage from three as he did from the free throw line, obviously known as a below-average free throw shooter. But LeBron, 40 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, three steals. I mean, what a game from him. He obviously kept it kept the Lakers in this game until the final minute they just came up short yeah and I think what really hurt them was bench play for the Lakers I mean they had a combined 14 points between four players off the bench Um, that's something that you really can't have especially in a team that's kind of battling a a fierce team like the Heat you definitely need that depth um, especially whenever you're guarding around the perimeter with Hero and Robinson. I thought they did a, a good job of bringing pressure on Robinson, but it just wasn't good enough. Agreed. And, I mean, a guy that we love talking about on this show, Alex Caruso, a minus six on the plus minus, someone who's usually towards the top on that plus minus, one of the top players for his teams in that category. I mean, he was at minus six. So, I mean, it kind of shows you just how bad the Lakers bench played in this game. I mean, Kyle Kuzma had a negative 17 plus minus. He was 3 of 10 from the field, 0 of 4 from distance. This was just not the Lakers game. I mean, even with how bad that bench played, they were in it till the final minute. I mean, that just shows you the effect of LeBron and AD. I mean, two of the top players in the league. It didn't matter to them that their bench wasn't stepping up. I mean, they were going to still go out and ball and keep their team in until the final minute. Yeah, and to go off the bench, um, Kyle Kuzma had a negative 17 plus minus. Um, And like you said, he was 3 for 10. Um, That's not really something that you would want from your sixth man. Um, Obviously, we've seen Caruso kind of go into starting lineups or not. Um, But I would say that he was definitely the sixth man of that game. Uh, He had 22 minutes and only seven points. But uh, Markeith Morris had 23 minutes with zero points. But he also, he only had a negative two plus minus, which comes to show that, I mean, he was kind of locking up on the defensive end at some points. But really, I think the thing that hurt the Lakers late was having the play like Rondo and Kuzma. Rondo had a negative 13 plus minus. So really with those plays off the bench, you really can't have any sort of battle like in the Lakers secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's really surprising to me to see Rondo have a negative 13. I mean, overall on the series, I mean, Rondo played amazing. I mean, he helped this team in so many ways, and I think Rondo does a lot of stuff that doesn't come up on the stat sheet for this team. But seeing Rondo with a negative 13 just kind of blows my mind because although he's been bashed on, I mean, what he did in Dallas, and, I mean, he's bounced around the league ever since leaving Boston. But, I mean, here in Los Angeles, I mean, I like seeing him play with LeBron. Rondo, I mean, he's a proven winner, two-time NBA champ. And, I mean, that was that was a big surprise to me to see negative 13. But, I mean, as we're going to go on to later in the show, he had a huge game in game six. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Rondo, you know, he, he was definitely struggling. He had four points, uh, five rebounds and five assists um, on 18 minutes, kind of limited minutes like we would see from everyone else on this team. But... Still an overall kind of subpar performance with Rondo. But something that I do want to point out is other than the, I would say, kind of historic miss with Danny Green, um, he actually had the highest plus minus on the team with a plus 12. Um, Although he did only have eight points, he was still out there contributing. And uh, the team was doing a lot better whenever he was on the floor. And I, I mean, yeah... It sucks that he missed that shot. If he makes that shot, obviously, people would bash LeBron for, oh, he's getting his legacy saved. But overall, I still believe that Danny Green had a great game. Um, 
well, I wouldn't say great. I would say kind of. He had a he had had a good game uh, with the plus twelve uh, plus minus, but only eight points and that missed shot kind of cost the game. Overall, good performance by the Lakers. Good fight, but the Heat just kind of pushed a little harder and almost wanted it more. Yeah, they did. And I'm gonna go back to Rondo real quick. I didn't include this, and I kind of forgot about it. But he was missing layups in mm-hmm. Game Five. I mean, he was missing shots around the rim that he usually hits. He didn't look like himself sometimes when he was going to the rack. Although I don't finish him, I don't consider him an extremely strong finisher. Like he'll make some tough shots around the basket, and he was just smoking some layups when he had steps on defenders, and that was really surprising to me. But yeah, going back to Danny Green, I mean. He does a lot of stuff that like that doesn't come up on the stat sheet. I mean, obviously, as it shows up as the highest plus minus in the team. I mean, he fights on the defensive end, and I mean, he hits. I mean, for most of his career, he's hit timely shots, and that one just happened to not go in. Um, I fully believe if that was from the corner, he would have drilled it. I mean, that's that's his spot. He's hit some huge shots from the corner and wing. He's hit huge shots everywhere over the entire course of his career. Obviously, an NBA champion, he has rings with three teams now so shout out to Danny Green for continuing to ball no matter where he goes yeah and I mean you really can't you can't knock players for missing game winners I mean people miss game winners all the time um and really that one play doesn't really decide this game although it would it would have I say put the Lakers for they they win that game if he makes that shot but I don't think that they should have been in that situation considering that your two-headed monster had 40 and 28 points. So I think overall it was a team just kind of subpar night other than LeBron and AD. They just went out and did their thing, but they had no help. It almost seemed sometimes it was a two-on-five. I mean, you had Dwight Howard was limited minutes with 15. He only had two points. Danny Green with eight. And KCP had a decent night with 16. But, we, I mean, we saw him miss some open shots as well. But then he also goes out and hits highly contested shots. Um, but you definitely need more play from your bench. Um, and so something I do want to ask you. So we actually were watching the game together. What? Why, why do you think Markeith Morris was in the game for that last possession? Honestly, I, I can't give you a good answer for that. I mean, when you need a bucket, I mean, maybe he was in there, I mean, set a back screen or something mm-hmm. for that kind of second option type thing. I'd have to rewatch the play again. But uh, quite, being quite honest, I have no idea why he was in the game. He did not contribute offensively at all in this game. I mean, obviously that costly turnover at the end of the game. So honestly, I could not tell you why they didn't have him in there. In my opinion, like we kind of talked about, they should have Caruso in there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like Caruso would have been in there. He's a good, I mean good third option even third or fourth option for that play that's a high third or fourth option Markeith Morris I mean he does hit shot I mean Markeith Morris is not a bad offensive player I mean just like his brother they both they both can hit from three I mean they can score from mid-range they can kind of score at all three levels at sometimes but I don't know why Markeith was in the game to be honest with you uh so he was 0 for 2 from the field um, with both of his shots being from three, and he had one offensive rebound. He had three turnovers and four personal fouls. Uh, it just, I really don't understand why he was in that game. Um, and I have to go back and look and see who was on the floor for that last play. Um, but, I mean, overall, he just kind of, they pushed harder towards the end of the game. Uh, we, we thought... The Lakers were going to take this game. They're wearing the Mamba jerseys. Uh, they thought we were going to close it out. Uh, but that just that wasn't what it was like. We saw the Heat push harder. Um, Jimmy Butler with that 35 points, I mean, he, he showed that he is one of the best in the league. Absolutely. So I'm kind of looking back at that missed three. I'm pretty sure the five that were on the court, it was Braun, AD, KCP, Markeith, and then Danny Green. Danny Green. Yeah, that was that five out there. So mm-hmm. kind of questionable to have those four and then Marquise thrown in there. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they got the dub in game six. And 
as we kind of brought up earlier, I'm going to rotate back to it real quick before we go on to talk about the next game. But, I mean, if you combine the Lakers' bench from distance in that game, they shot 1 of 11 from 3 as the bench overall. So if the bench hit one or two more threes, they would have at least tied or won this game. I mean, Caruso was 1 of 2, Markeith was 0 of 2, Kuzma was 0 of 4, and Rondo was 0 of 3. So before you dash Dan- bash Danny Green, he went 2 of 5. Look at the bench and see that they weren't hitting shots either. And I I know for sure that LeBron had every single one of those bench players shooting threes for practice. I mean, uh, you you can't go, well, what did you say, 1 of 11? Yeah, 1 of 11 yeah. combined for the bench. You can't go 1 of 11 from 3 and off the bench. Uh especially whenever you're playing a team like the Heat who could go out and it it seems like every single person on this roster can hit a three-point shot. Uh, I mean, they they create space for each other. Duncan Robinson shot 13 threes. He shot, he shot more threes than four players combined. So we're actually five considering Dwight Howard didn't shoot a three, but that really doesn't count. But, yeah, I mean, with this Heat team, I just feel like you're definitely going to have to hit those shots, especially with their, you know, high-paced offense. They they set screens for each other. They go out and they'll they'll definitely heave up those threes. Yeah, they will. So, we're going to go on and rotate to game 6. So, game 6, the Lakers took the series. They won 106-93. So, Ian, what were your initial thoughts after watching this game? So after watching the game, um, it was just kind of clear to clear to see that LeBron was the MVP. Um, he had 28 points. He had 14 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, just another daily triple-double that we've seen with LeBron. He also played 41 minutes, which is the most. Um, you know, it's that's not bad for not bad for an old king. Uh, but I mean, overall, the, this game was just kind of outmatched. We saw early the Lakers go out and and jump on the Heat pretty early. I mean, the plus minuses for the starters and the Lakers are almost all in double digits. So I mean, this game was just kind of outmatched, and it just comes to show how dominant this Laker team would be compared to a Miami Heat whenever. One of the teams, especially with the Heat, the Heat were struggling offensively, especially early. Uh, I mean, they had they had a good fourth quarter, but, I mean, the score makes it seem a lot closer than what the game actually was. Uh, it The Heat team kind of lost hope in the third quarter. Um, they didn't it, – it almost seemed like they didn't want to be there anymore. Uh they were struggling shooting the ball. Tyler Hero was just getting bullied. And, I mean, if we look at their plus-minus, Bam had negative 21. Jimmy Butler had negative 18. Crowder had negative 13. Robinson had negative 16, but then Hero had a plus-4. And Olenek actually had plus-19, but a lot of those came in garbage time. So, I mean, overall, Lakers were just... I mean, the Heat were just outmatched, especially late. They were. And, I mean, the Lakers, like, they blew this game open before even halftime. Mm-hmm. The Lakers scored 36 points in the second quarter. Miami scored 36 points in the whole first half. So this kind of shows you how that first half went. The Lakers absolutely smacked the Heat in this first half. And, I mean, it came back to bite them in the end. I mean, the, the Miami... They fought in the fourth quarter. I mean, they outscored the Lakers 35-19. to But, I mean, this game was pretty much over. The Lakers, huge, huge first half. I mean, that's what kind of gave them the momentum. And they they set the tone early. And the Lakers come home and took the dub. And LeBron showed that he was the best player in this series. And he, it was, I mean, it was accounted for as he got the finals MVP. Yeah, and... There's really no one else that deserved it more than LeBron. Uh, Anthony Davis, I mean, don't get me wrong, Anthony Davis had a great series. He had a great playoffs, great season overall. But, I mean, LeBron just went out there and completely balled. Uh, 
Anthony Davis did, I mean, we say only 19, but he really didn't shoot that much. He only shot the ball 17 times. LeBron shot at 20. So, I mean, really not a whole lot of shooting for this Laker team, but, I mean, they just they spread the ball super well. Uh, Rondo had 19 off the bench. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, that just that comes to show how good this Lakers team can be both playmaking and scoring whenever they're on. And something that I do want to bring up is, so Jimmy Butler had 12 points, so obviously Vogel made some adjustments to shut down Jimmy Butler in Game 6. Something that that we saw in, what was it, Game 3? I, I think it was Game 3 whenever the Lakers just came out and completely shut down Jimmy Butler. Uh, so, I mean, just... An overall great series for LeBron and AD, but obviously LeBron came up and just completely balled. Yeah, LeBron did. I mean, I completely expected him to come out and ball. I mean, he's the best player in the league, in my opinion, him and Giannis. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, Kostas got a ring before Giannis. So what a series by the Lakers. I mean, it was awesome to see LeBron get another ring. Had a little bit bit of a rough day seeing my favorite player in the NFL, Dak, his injury, super heartbreaking. Prayers out to him. But seeing my favorite player in the NBA come and win this finals, just what a great day. And what a great day for the NBA. I mean, seeing what Adam Silver did for this bubble, he had zero positive cases, unlike some of the other leagues we're seeing. We're seeing positive COVID cases in the MLB. And we're obviously seeing positive COVID cases in the NCAA football as well as the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, once again, Adam Silver did a great job with um, making this bubble and making the rest of the season happen. Um, So, I mean, from the outside looking in, I just want to say thank you to Adam Silver. I mean, without him uh, putting in the effort to finish this season, uh, I mean, we wouldn't really have anything to talk about, which um, it's just super exciting. Like, all of these players, I feel like, got a lot closer to their teammates um, I mean, we saw the Heat had this great team chemistry. We saw the Lakers have this great team chemistry. But, I mean, um, I will say that I have been watching uh, JaVale McGee's vlogs uh, on YouTube, and it just seems like this Laker team is just like a family. Uh, they're all super close. LeBron seems like a great person just to, to work with. Um you know, especially just getting that inside scoop on seeing what the bubble's like. Uh, it seemed like they this Laker team was doing everything together. There was no kind of cliche groups or anything like that. They were all a family. And it was really cool to see just, like, how well these teams gel together and how quickly they can. Because, I mean, uh, Anthony Davis, he wasn't there this offseason. So, I mean, they come together. Uh, but Rondo comes in. Dwight comes in. I mean, you have all these new players with one season. Just crazy how much of a bond you can make in one year, especially on an NBA roster. Agreed. I mean, one of the most high market teams in the league, the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, I didn't. I watched the beginning of Javale's blogs. I watched them mm-hmm. at the beginning of the bubble, but obviously, as school and whatnot came around, I didn't really watch them towards the end of the season and during their playoff run. But what a season! And what a playoff run from the Lakers. I mean, it was super fun to watch. And, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about this team. I mean, they showed that they were the best team in the league. I mean, people can argue all they want that they didn't, it was a cakewalk. They didn't have to play the Clippers. I mean, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, this was a great series. And, I mean, it gave the fans something to watch. I mean, we were not guaranteed basketball when we were talking about our horse challenge and talking about, oh, are we ever going to get – we did not know. It was not guaranteed that mm-hmm. this season was going to get finished off. And the NBA came out, and at the very end of July, they came and they started this bubble. And, I mean, they kept every, – everything went smoothly for the most part. Obviously, a couple mess-ups, Daniel House and Lou Williams and whatever not other stuff happened at the bubble, but – great overall experience it seemed like for these players at the bubble and it was awesome to see in some of these vlogs like even Matisse Thibel posted Mm -hmm. a vlog and seeing just 
how smoothly they made this bubble run. Yeah, and it also seems to, like, show what these players have, like, what they do in their free time. It's super interesting just to see what they can do whenever they're not playing basketball. Um, but something that I do want to talk about is, so the Lakers and how people are saying that this is a cakewalk. Um, if it was such a cakewalk, then, and how they didn't have to play the Clippers, if it was going to be a cakewalk, then they wouldn't have played the, or they would have played the uh, Clippers because obviously we saw them blow a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. Um, and that just comes to show that this that Nugget team was better than the Clippers. I mean, maybe on paper it might not look as good, but as a team, they outplayed them for the last three games. So you really can't go out there and say that it was a cakewalk for the Lakers. They didn't have anything to do with who they played, what their matchups were. They just went out and they played and they dominated. Uh, we saw them dominate almost every single series. Uh, Miami put up a fight. Uh, it was a great finals. I'm glad that they took that Miami took game five because if it would have ended in five, then I think more people would have said that it was a cakewalk, like you said earlier. But I still believe that this Laker team had – I mean, I am not. I do not want to hear anybody try to take anything away from this Laker team just because they earned every single bit of this championship. I completely agree. And, I mean, honestly, in my opinion – just because it's whatever team LeBron is on, people are going to try to make excuses about how. I mean, at first it was, oh, the East is easy. Oh, Draymond got suspended. I mean, whatever you want to say. They, there's an excuse for every single one of LeBron's finals wins from LeBron haters. But, I mean, he comes out. I mean, he made the finals 9 out of 10 years. I mean, he's won the finals with three different teams. Just what a class act. What a player. And at the end of the day, what a man, LeBron mm-hmm. James. Yeah, LeBron is is definitely one of the goats of sports. Just, uh, I mean, I really I don't like getting into the topic with, oh, Michael Jordan, LeBron. I just I love to just, just to see LeBron play. I mean, um, if it was down to it, I would take Michael Jordan. Um, but I mean, LeBron is just obviously one of the greats. You really can't compare those two two different play styles, two different eras. You really don't, but you just got to sit back and just enjoy the show that he puts on it day in and day out. Completely agree, and on and off the court, just what he does, obviously, politically, and he he voices his opinion, and, I mean, he 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 gets people behind him, and just, I'm at a loss for words for LeBron. I've been a LeBron fan for a really long time. He's my favorite athlete of all time, and just... I'm absolutely just so excited to see him get another ring on his resume. Yeah, I mean, and another congrats to the Lakers. Uh, I do, like like you said, LeBron, he does everything he can to, you know, voice his opinion, and I love that. I mean, it <clears throat> just comes to show that he's more than just an athlete. Like, he, I mean, he has that on his shirts all the time. He's He's more than an athlete. Uh, and he won't just shut up and dribble. I mean, he's going to voice his opinion no matter what, and, I mean, that just makes him just so influential and just inspires a lot of people just to go out and try to make a change for anything they can. Completely agree, and I'm looking forward to watching this Lakers team next year too. I mean, this is going to kind of take us into our break, but this Lakers team next year is going to be scary as well. Yeah, and on that note, we're going to take it to the break. So coming out of the break, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and what the future holds for them. So we're going to start with our MVPs. Obviously, my MVP lines up with what the NBA chose. My finals MVP is going to go to LeBron. He's been the leader of every single team he's been on. He's been the best player on every single team he's been on. And he proved that in this series. He came up when it mattered, and he showed the league why he's the best player in the league, in my opinion. Obviously, some people are going to argue Giannis, but, I mean, LeBron is in his mid-30s, and he's playing like a player who's in his prime. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. My MVP is LeBron James as well. Um, I mean, before the break, we talked about just how he's so inspirational. But, I mean, on the court, he's also inspirational. Not even just what he does 
off the court. He goes in day in and day out. Um, I mean, he does do some load management, but, I mean, really this year he really didn't. I mean, that's something that he gets bashed a lot is just how he's he's not up to tier with Michael Jordan, but this season he definitely proved a lot of people wrong, and he definitely showed that he is an MVP candidate year in and year out. I mean, he literally could win the MVP. Someone could make a case for him for every single season. Uh, maybe not last season, but definitely every other season he could be an MVP candidate. I completely agree. And, I mean, we talked about LeBron for probably 15 minutes straight before the break, but I'm going to just go through his finals per game stats. So he averaged 30 points, 12 boards, 9 assists, 1 steal, and half a block. So just his impact on the biggest stage just kind of just continues to show everyone that He's still that dude, and I think he's going to play for at least three or four more seasons. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he'll play. He's definitely capable of playing for three or four more seasons, um, if not more. Uh, I mean, there's really no signs of age just yet. Uh, We saw him. I mean, he would drive to the lane almost every single play. We rarely saw him, you know, pull up. But, I mean, once he did pull up, he was – he was making a majority of his threes and it's just coming to show that how crafty LeBron is and how just how many adjustments he's made just based off maybe he's not in his athletic prime but also he's still making adjustments to where he could still be as uh, capable of doing his athletic prime things like he used his strength like it, it seems like he just keeps getting stronger and stronger every single year um so, I mean, LeBron is just, he's just an absolute monster on the court. For sure. And I'm going to go into his shooting numbers. So, 59% from the field, almost 60% from the field, and he's taking tough shots. He's not like a DeAndre Jordan or a Drummond who have the, the insane field goal percentages just because they're all dunks and shots around the basket. I mean, Drummond, Drummond's evolved, but, I mean, y'all get the point. I mean, so almost 60% from the field. He's shooting 42% from distance, too. And, I mean, we're not going to get into the free throw numbers, 67%, not good. But, I mean, 42% from three, six, almost 60% from the field. That's almost unheard of for the shots that LeBron's taking. Yeah, I mean, we we see him go in and he he can be streaky. Like he could definitely go out and he'll miss his first three shots, but once he hits one, it's almost like he will not go streaky again. Like he once he's on, he's on. And once he has his confidence flowing, like we see him attack the rim with no problem. So, I mean, it's just he's so much fun to watch on the court. Um Recently, he has been getting a lot of calls when he drives to the, to the lane um, that some may not agree with. But at the same time, you can't take away the fact that he is just a dominant player in this league. Completely agree. And so that kind of wrapped up everything I had to say about my Lakers MVP. So, Ian, I'm going to ask you this. Who was your biggest surprise for the Lakers? So the biggest surprise... Even I would say this, the biggest surprise just for this series was Rajon Rondo. Um, I mean, a lot of people, once he came back from injury, a lot of people weren't expecting much from him, but he definitely came in, and he had a huge impact on the team. He went out, and he did his normal playmaking things. Uh, he also was kind of a little chippy on the defensive end, too. I mean, he, he went in, and he uh, defended very well. I mean, he would get under the skin of Tyler Hero, it, it seemed like, and we kind of saw some uh, Patrick Beverly antics a little bit in some of the games that came down to the wire. But overall, great performance by Rondo this series, and that is my biggest surprise for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, so I have a different surprise, but before I go into that, I'm going to go into Rondo a little bit. So, yeah, just what Rondo did in this series, I mean, he was rebounding great. He was boxing Mm -hmm. out. And, I mean, going into the stuff that you said about him defensively, I mean, he does not back down from anyone. He loves competition. He's one of the best competitors in the league. He's one of the – I'd say he's one of the best pure point guards just that we've seen. I mean, there are so many great point guards, but Rondo – 
is going to go down as one of the greats. I mean, two-time champ, all-star, used to have seasons where he'd average 11 assists a game. And so just Rajon Rondo, what a series. Congrats to him. So my biggest surprise I'm going to go into is KCP. So KCP is a player that before the seasons, fans love ripping on. I mean, the memes are funny, but, I mean, everyone goes after KCP just because he's kind of that middle-of-the-pack shooting guard. I mean, he's he's never been great. And then just this series, what I saw from him, he was sometimes the third best player on the floor, depending on I mean what lineup was out there. We saw I mean we saw big things from KCP. I mean he averaged the third most points on the team, so he averaged 13 points a game. He averaged three boards, two assists, one steal, and he was shooting just 30% from three, not very good, but 38% from the field. But I mean what kind of I was super surprised about is just. His playing the clutch. I mean, there were some games where I'd see him, he'd get to the basket and make a tough layup, just stuff that we weren't used to seeing from him. I mean, he was hitting tough shots around the basket, and that was just something that I really never considered of KCP. I mean, obviously, I've been following him since he was with Detroit, so it's been a while, and KCP's now an NBA champ, and that was kind of my biggest surprise from the series. Yeah, I mean, overall great performances by KCP this series. Um, he would go out, and I mean, he like you said, he was hitting tough baskets around the rim, but he was also hitting tough baskets from behind the arc. Uh, I mean, there was I in game six he hit a or no 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 it was game five he hit a contested shot with like two people on him that I mean there was no thought of it not going in I mean it just was instant and I mean he had a lot of confidence this series and I I think that has a lot to do with LeBron you know giving him open looks getting him like in his rhythm uh but I mean overall great series for KCP but on that note I think I'm going to move into my biggest disappointment which is Danny Green um I said earlier that I didn't like how people were bashing him for missing that shot, but I do think that Danny Green is Danny Green's easily the third option on that team. Um, but the way he was playing, he wasn't that. Uh, he was subpar in almost every game. He just kind of looked out of it. Um, I mean, we saw Devonte Adams of the Green Bay Packers come out and and tweet something about Danny Green, just saying that he had his back. He said that he's never gonna uh, make fun of someone for messing up because everyone messes up, um, and I'm not gonna do that. But what I am gonna say is that I was expecting a lot more from Danny Green this series. I really thought that he was gonna get he was gonna make his open looks, and it almost seemed like he was struggling almost everywhere around the three point line, even when with open looks he was struggling. Um, but I mean, overall, uh, defensively, he played great offensively is where he was struggling. And I think that had a lot to do with how close these, um, this series was, was just him missing his open shots. Completely agree. And that's how I'm going to go into my biggest disappointment. And I'm going to agree with you. It's going to be Danny Green. So I mean, to all my friends that I talked about this series before the series, I talked about how great Danny Green is in the playoffs and how he's going to be a finals warrior and how he's going to help this team. I mean, he's the third highest player on this team. But Danny Green, I mean, he had to have been everyone's biggest disappointment. I mean, eight points a game, three rebounds with one assist. And his three-point percentage from distance, I'm going to have you guess, Ian, what do you think he shot from three? Uh, 23. He shot 29% from three. So here are some of the players that shot higher than that percentage from three. I mean, I don't really count Quinn Cook because, I mean, he was in for garbage time. So we have Quinn Cook, we have AD, we have Braun, we have Markeith, we have Caruso, we have Rondo, we have JR, we have Kuz, we have KCP. Danny Green was the second-to-worst three-point shooter on his team. That's unacceptable in my opinion. Um, I mean, obviously, they won the series, so, I mean, there's not much. I mean, you can say he didn't have a good series, but, I mean, he got a ring. So, just kind of watching Danny Green in this series and just seeing him struggle, um, I was really hoping to see him have a good series, and I feel like this series could have been over if he was shooting the ball better. But, 
I really don't know why he was missing, I mean, these this many open looks. But it was really strange to me to see Danny Green struggle in an NBA Finals just because we've seen him play at the highest level in some of the other NBA Finals. Yeah, I totally agree. But there's definitely one name that you didn't say on that list that shot better than Danny Green, and it was Dwight Howard. He didn't miss. <laughs> Dwight Howard does not miss from three. And uh, honestly, that could have been the biggest surprise too. One for one. He had a big-time shot in game six. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, Dwight Howard did play great. Um, uh, he was limited minutes because it seemed that they were doing small ball. But, I mean, he, he went out there with confidence and garbage time, man. He, was, he went out there and shot that thing. Yes, bro. One of the best shooters in the league for sure, Dwight Howard. Nah, but Dwight, really happy to see him get a ring. I mean, he's bounced around a little bit, and I mean, he's had some stretches where, I mean, teams didn't even want him, and he comes here to the Lakers, and he gets his finally gets his ring, and super cool for Dwight, and that's still crazy that he was one of one, and that was that kind of describes Danny Green's series, having Dwight Howard shoot a higher three-point percentage than you. Yeah, I mean, it's it was so good to see Dwight Howard get his first ring. It felt super accomplished for him. And uh, just he's been through so much with people not wanting him, people thinking that he's not a great teammate, he's not a great player. But he definitely proved a lot of people wrong, and he got his ring. Um, but something that I'm going to move on to is just the future. Um, future for the Lakers is going to be the Anthony Davis and LeBron show for at least one more year. Um I think Anthony Davis could definitely sign another contract with the Lakers, depending on what else happens in the league. We never really know. The league is so just unwritten that we have no clue what's going to happen. But my take is that the LeBron and Anthony Davis show will be, I think Anthony Davis will be the partner that LeBron retires with. Um, I think I don't see them breaking up anytime soon. Uh, they just seem to have to gel very well together. They seem to have a great connection with each other, and they seem to just be great friends, even off the court. Um, we see them hanging out all the time. So um, I think that the future for the Lakers is the AD LeBron show. And once LeBron, uh, once he retires, we may see Anthony Davis move around the league a couple more times. But uh, I, I think this Laker team is set with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I agree, and kind of looking at these contracts, after this next season, the only player they have under contract is LeBron James. So this Lakers team, I expect, in these next two next two seasons, excuse me, I see them, I think they're going to make some big changes. I think that third piece is not going to be Danny Green in the 2021-2022 season. There is no way that that third piece is going to be Danny Green. I think that they're going to find kind of another great player maybe not good in between good and great to add as a compliment to LeBron and AD and they're going to have a ton of cap going in that season I wouldn't be surprised if they signed AD to an extension sometimes here soon and they're going to fight for championships as long as LeBron James has a jersey on yeah I totally agree um and something that that might happen is they might even move Danny Green this this season we I mean like I said, we have no clue what's going to happen this year, especially with this Laker team. They have a lot of contracts coming up. And, it I mean, it almost seems like they – I mean, they are paying a lot of people still. Um, I mean, they played – they paid Troy Daniels this year, DeMarcus Cousins, and then they have Luel Dang until 2022. So um, they, have, they have a lot of cap space being used. So – uh, it's going to be tough to make to make that third option kind of appealing. Um, but I think just Anthony Davis and LeBron is going to be the pair for the Lakers for a while. Agreed. And it's, it's so funny to me to see these teams paying players that haven't been on their teams in years, like the Nets still paying guys like D-Will and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, the Lakers are going to have – they're going to have a ton of cap. And I feel like some of their guys deserve to get paid. I mean, looking at how much, I mean, Kuzma's at the end of his rookie contract after next year. He, I don't think he's going to get a big bag, but I think he'll be making 10-plus mil a year. Um, Caruso, he deserves to get paid. Caruso, 
I mean, I expect him to be making upwards of $10 million at least, for sure. And then, I mean, they're going to lose. I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to bring back JR. I wouldn't be surprised. Just one of LeBron's teammates from Cleveland. And, I mean, I don't expect them to bring back Deion Waiters. But this Lakers team, I mean, they have a lot of flexibility. And at this point, I mean, whoever you put around LeBron and AD, they're going to be a great team, in my opinion. I totally agree. But now we're going to move on to the Miami Heat. Um I'm going to say my MVP, Jimmy Butler, no surprise there. He went out there and absolutely balled. He showed that he can be a top 10 player in the NBA, um, although he had a lot of struggle kind of slowing down two players at the same time, um, especially early in the series with not having uh, Bam Adebayo and not having Goran Dragic. That I think that, that hurt them a lot. Um but Jimmy Butler, even without them, he went out there and he absolutely balled. Um, so I'm I'm super excited for Jimmy Butler. I think people are finally going to give him the respect that he deserves. And, I mean, he's under contract for a while. I don't see the Heat moving him anytime soon. So, I mean, uh, he's my MVP for the Heat. I mean, for sure, that's my MVP as well. Just both ends of the floor, absolutely elite to say the least. Jimmy Butler, no shortness of greatness there. Excellent on both ends of the floor, hitting timely shots, mm-hmm. leading this team, being a leader that some people have always wanted to say that he couldn't be. And we saw Jimmy Butler prove his haters wrong. So shout out to Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and move on to the biggest surprise for the Heat. Um, my surprise isn't a player... It's just the overall team. The team chemistry that the Miami Heat had was almost unmatched. I think that's why they got past a lot of these teams. Uh, They worked very well together. Um, Obviously, Spolstra is a great coach. He planned accordingly to beat the Bucs. I think without Spolstra, this Heat team doesn't make it this far. Uh, he definitely he made adjustments to slow down uh, Giannis. I mean, he also made adjustments to slow down uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. So uh, this Heat team defensively was super fun to watch. I mean, they they would lock up. Even whenever they were running their small ball, they still would lock up. Offensively, they're super fun to watch because they have flamethrowers and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. But then you have Jimmy Butler who can go off for 40 points. You have Goran Dragic um, and Bam Adebayo. I mean, this team is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but my the biggest surprise to me was just seeing this team chemistry. Uh, we saw Jimmy Butler after uh, Tyler Hero had his big game against the Boston Celtics. He came into practice wearing a Tyler Hero high school jersey. Um, that just kind of shows, like, how well these players know each other that shows how well um, they gel together. And I'm just, it's it was so just fun to see this team work so well together. They just trusted each other and they would, it, they had each other's back through thick and thin. Completely agree. So originally I had my biggest surprise as Kelly Olenek just because of his, his two big games at the beginning of the season. But after thinking about it a little more, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, just watching this team and how well they gelled in this five seed fighting and making the NBA Finals and giving the Lakers a little bit of a run for their money, pushing this series to six games, mm-hmm. playing with confidence, not backing down ever, That's that was a surprise to me too, just how well the Miami Heat played. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that the five seed out of the Eastern Conference would take the the kings of the Lakers to a game six in the NBA Finals. I mean, I, I don't think anyone really did. Uh, I mean, that's why it was just such a surprise to see the Heat make it this far. But, I mean, after watching them play the through these series, it, it was no shocker. I mean, they completely dominated uh, the Pacers. They completely dominated the Bucks, the best team in the league. I, th- I think people take, like, take that for granted, like, they destroyed the team that had the best record in the NBA. Um, and then, like, we saw them beat the Celtics in seven. 
and then they come here and they put up a fight against the top dogs. Um, so I mean, overall, I think it was a it was a great team performance. But the thing that kind of set them back, which is my biggest disappointment, is their injuries. I think without their injuries, this series goes a lot differently. I think they could definitely push it to a seven just on how well they played. But not having Goran Dragic and not having Bam for a certain amount of time really, really hurt them. Um, I think they're a little too far back. And I, I just think that if they had their full team, I think that they could have put up more of a fight against the Lakers. And not saying that they didn't put up a fight. I mean, I've, I've preached that way too much this podcast. But right now, I just think that that Heat team was just so, so good. But at some points, it seemed to me that they were almost worse with Drogic, but better at the same time. Offensively, Drogic was just an absolute animal against the Celtics. And then he comes in the Lakers, and it just seems like the morale was kind of down for the Heat. They had full, um, they had like full health and everyone, but it just seemed like something was off whenever everyone was healthy. Um, so, I mean, they, it, I don't even know what happened. I just think the biggest disappointment was having just a such a major change, especially late in the series. I agree with you, and that's going to take me into my biggest disappointment, which is the same exact one as yours, is the injuries. I mean, seeing guys like Drogic and Adebayo go down just, I mean, it sucks because Drogic's bounced on around the league a little bit. I mean, he's he's played with Houston. He's played with Phoenix. I mean, now he's with Miami. I'm sure there's a other, couple other teams mixed in there that I'm not thinking of, but, I mean, Drogic, seeing Drogic and Adebayo go down and not be able to help their teams for however many games it was, I mean, Drogic was obviously a little bit more serious of an injury than Adebayo, but mm. not seeing them be able to help their team, I mean, it stunk. I don't think the outcome of the series would have been different, but seeing this series go seven and see LeBron get to play in another Game seven, we know what happened um, in the last game seven in the finals he played in. So that would have been super fun to see Braun play in another game seven. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm going to move into just the future for the Heat. Um, these young players, like Tyler Hero, we saw him just evolve before our eyes just this playoffs. I mean, he has the confidence that almost looks like it was kind of overlooked in the regular season. But now, like, he, he stepped up huge uh, in this playoff. And Adebayo, obviously, great player, an all-star, and he definitely will be an all-star for quite some time. Um, I think they just have huge upsides for seasons to come, just considering how young they are still. Um, I mean, Adebayo is 23, and Tyler Hero is 20. So, really, I mean, it's the biggest thing for the Heat right now uh, as I'm looking at their payroll, they're losing Drogic, they're losing Dre- Jay Crowder this year, and then Derek Jones, is uh, his contract's up as well. But, I mean, they have all their big pieces still wrapped up. I mean, Kendrick Nunn's still wrapped up, obviously. Uh, Bam, and then they have Butler until 2023. is still with them. Uh, I think right now this, this team is, is set for, for quite some time. Um, hopefully they can bring back Drogic, and hopefully they can make another run. I mean, I love seeing this Heat team play, so I would not be surprised to see them come back and fight one more time in the NBA Finals. Completely agree. So, Ian, kind of a question I thought of for you as you were you were going over the future for the Heat there. Who do you think is more valuable to the Miami Heat, Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo, and why? Um, I think it's Bam Adebayo. Um, he's just so versatile. Um, I mean... Sometimes it it seems that Tyler Hero is kind of a liability on defense sometimes. I mean, he gets bullied around a lot. But also this offseason, I think he's going to make a lot of changes. Um, I think he'll get a lot bigger. He'll be in the gym. Um, We don't know when the season's going to start, but I think they'll have plenty of time just to get back in. And um, I think Jimmy Butler will definitely help develop, especially all these young players. I think Jimmy Butler... I, would, I think if they bring back Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder will as well. All these players that, with their veteran uh, attributes, I think they'll all help these people develop. But I definitely believe that Bam Adebayo is, I, if not, I mean, obviously Jimmy Butler is probably the most important, but I think Bam Adebayo is definitely second important. And then 
uh, Tower Hero is probably, I would say he's third, but I think there's a big gap between Adebayo and Hero. Agreed. I mean, both of these guys, both great players, but just seeing Bam, what the way that he plays the big man position is just amazing to watch. I mean, he can do everything. He moves great for a big, and just seeing him evolve as a player has been, it's been some of the most fun player development in the league that I've watched to watch mm-hmm. the jump that he took this past season. I mean, I love watching Bam. I love watching Hero. And this Heat team, I mean, I kind of fell in love with watching them. I mean, I, I love watching great basketball, and I love watching these young guys come in and ball and prove that they deserve a spot in the league. So shout-out to Tyler Hero for coming out and balling. I mean, some Heat fans were disappointed that they took him with their first-round pick, but there's absolutely nothing that you can take away from him and be disappointed about now because Tyler Hero was easily one of the top rookies for this past season. I totally agree, and uh, like you said, I'm excited for this Heat team. Um, the East is going to get a lot better with the Nets being back healthy. I mean, obviously you have those top dogs and the Raptors and the Bucks, but, I mean, this Heat team is, is going to be great for – I mean, this NBA is just going to be so much fun. We have a lot of young players that are going to develop this year. Um, but like you said, Tyler Hero is a great player. He definitely he doesn't back down from anyone. We saw his confidence just flow through the roof. I mean, he was making snars to LeBron. I mean, who does that? That's one of the greatest of all time, and you're a rookie and you're going to do that. I mean, he didn't back down from anyone. Um, but, I mean, he, he definitely showed that – he deserves to be in this league. He showed to these Heat fans that he is going to be the player. Like he, he doesn't care who he's going to play with. He's going to be the player in his mind, and that his confidence is something that is just like so cool just to see his swagger on the on the floor is so cool. Um, I'm just I'm super excited to see what this Heat team can do in the future. Yeah, and ever since draft night, Tyler Hero's first impression on the NBA, we've known he's going to bring that swagger on and off the court. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, starting with his draft day suit and just how he carries himself, he he knows he's good, he's going to let you know he's good, and then he's going to show you that he's good. Mm -hmm. So just what a season and playoffs from Tyler Hero, and the jump he's going to make from this season to the next season, I feel like it's going to be a huge jump. I feel like Tyler Hero is a fan favorite, and you're going to be hearing a whole lot about number 14 for the next seasons to come. Yeah, I totally agree. I think him and Duncan Robinson will be a lot of fun to watch for this Miami team. And on that note, I think we're going to close out this episode. Um, This is the last episode of basketball content for the season, considering the season is done. Uh, And I'm just so excited for things that we're going to have to put out um, for these next seasons. Uh, We're going to start season two probably as soon as possible. Uh, We're going to drop another episode for season one, just basically talking about what we have planned and just another thank you to you guys that are listening. Um, So, yeah, just thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, if you guys have any questions, just let us know. We've dropped a few polls recently on our Twitter um, at CTC B-Ball, and we're just trying to get some interaction with you guys. Yeah, as Ian said, we're super thankful for the interaction that we've seen from you guys this season. We always would love to have more interaction. Our DMs are always open. We're always open to interacting with fans, and we want Season 2 to be much better than Season 1. I mean, having said, we had a great Season 1. But we want Season 2 to be one of the best basketball podcasts that we can put out. Mm -hmm. We put out great content, in my opinion. We put in a lot of work, and we'd like to see that result in with the numbers that y'all put out for us. We have a good amount of listeners right now. We had listeners in multiple countries, which was super cool to me just to see kind of this platform that me and Ian It started with an idea and quarantine, and now we've kind of turned it into a reality, and it's something that we work hard on week in and week out. So just thank y'all again for listening, and this has been Coast to Coast, a basketball podcast. Irving and Curry, one-on-one, Irving puts it up. It's good, Kyrie Irving from downtown. They do have a timeout, decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown, foul!